0: Including our series through the book of Proverbs. And we're going to be looking today in Proverbs chapter 14. We're just going to look at one verse today. It's verse number four. And there's sometimes whenever you will read a verse in the Bible and you're like, well, I mean, what is that all about? And it seems kind of obscure and, and kind of strange. And, and that to me is what Proverbs chapter 14 verse number four is. It's it's a, different, it's a different verse. I'll just read it to you. It says, Where there are no oxen, the feeding trough is empty, but an abundant harvest comes through the strength of an ox. Now, I'd just like to start off by saying that I, I grew up in a home that was a, it was a good home. My mom and dad were loving, kind parents. All those things. I'm still close to my parents to this day. But I will say this. As with your parents and, uh, and mine, they have some idiosyncrasies that are a little strange. And I'd say probably one of the biggest ones is my mom and dad are probably the biggest neat freaks that I know. Um, I've shared before that as a kid growing up, that whenever um, I was on Saturdays when I was doing my chores, one of my chores was to go out and to bleach out the garage every Saturday. You know, it was so weird. and I, I never When I was doing it, I didn't know why I was doing it. And so I would bleach it out every side. You could eat a meal off of our garage floor. And then not only that, but mom was, she didn't want anybody to get any crumbs on the floor. And so if I was going to have a snack and I had some friends over, she said, okay, listen, the best thing you can do is just eat over the sink. And so there's pictures of me in high school with a couple of my buddies. We're eating sandwiches over the sink. Okay, so that's weird now while it's weird here's the deal nobody likes a mess right nobody likes stuff to get dirty we don't like it when things we especially don't like it when it's our own hands getting dirty but one thing that we all know is that in life if you're going to be productive in life if you're going to if you're going to make a profit so to speak or if you're going to achieve something there are times when a requirement for you you gotta get dirty I mean you think about like a farmer I mean, if a farmer is going to produce a crop there comes a time when he's got to get his hands in the manure right that's dirty he's gonna have a crop so he's gotta do uh, parents if our yards are gonna look good and there comes a time when we gotta round up our kids and they got to get their hands dirty so we all know that if if something is going to happen if we're going to produce something there are times when it requires us to get dirty and the same thing is true with the church and that, that one verse that I just read in essence that that is really where this verse is going to be leading us that there are times if we're going to be productive when it requires us to get involved in the mess of life and as a church That is our requirement that as a church our requirement is we've been called to get involved in the mess of life And if if we're going to do that, that means that there's times when we're going to be getting dirty Now today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see King Solomon sharing some business advice with his son And in this one verse, this is the business advice that he's giving him He's saying, son, if you're going to be productive, son, if you're going to make a living he said there will be times when it will be required of you to get, to get involved in the mess of life. And the same idea is true with the church. And so that's why we're going to be looking at this one verse. Now we know through the last month and a half as we've gone through the book of Proverbs that most of the Proverbs, as a matter of fact about two to 3,000 of the Proverbs were written by King Solomon. And King Solomon wrote these Proverbs in order to give instruction and direction to young people so that they would be able to live their lives with some effectiveness. Now, more pointedly, he wrote most of the Proverbs directed towards his son. And it's basically like he was telling his son, Son, now these are some of the mistakes I've made, but here's what I want you to do, how you can live so that you don't make the same mistakes that I've made. And he specifically wrote to him in Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. He said, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. You see, Solomon knew that he was going to die. And he knew his son was going to follow him as the next king, so he wanted him to have some good advice so that he would have something to base his leadership off of. And part of his instruction for him today is, listen, doing a good job means you're going to get messy. Village church. A part of us doing a good job is going to mean for us we're going to get messy. Now most of the time we think of of church, we think of our lives, we think I want to be pure, I want to be pristine. I don't want anything to be messed up in my life. And I, I understand that, and I'm all for that, but there are some reasons... Why the church, why I desire the church, and why God desires the church to be messy. Now, what's that all about? You know, what are some reasons for us to be messy? We're going to look at a few of them today. One of the reasons why we still want to be messy as a church is very simple. It's because of this. It's because people are messy. As a church, we want to be messy because people are messy. Now, what does that mean? Well, we'll explain, hopefully, in just a second. But verse number 4 again. It says, where there are no oxen, the feeding trough is empty, but an abundant harvest comes through the strength of an ox. Now, ever so often, it's good for us to kind of step back and review what what our purpose is. Ever so often, it's good for us to step back and be reminded, okay, Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What is it ultimately that I am trying to achieve? Now, we're supposed to do this as individuals. I also think that we ought to do this as a church. I mean, why are we here? Because sometimes there are things that we do in our personal life or things that we do in the church that really don't fit in with what our purpose is. Um, I saw an article uh, actually just a few weeks ago about bare aspirin. Uh, and in an article it was talking about, you know, whenever you get an aspirin bottle, you open it up, and before you get to the aspirin, typically, what do you have to, what do you have to do? What's in the way? Cotton, right? Have you ever wondered why the cotton's in there? Um, now, I'm not real sharp. I always, I was like, what is that all about? You know, is it because it's so that it's not a noisemaker? And then, so, you know, you, you say, and if you're like me, I mean, you, you, I have the hardest time getting that stupid cotton out, you know, yanking on it and it won't come out. And so I said, like, why do they have the cotton in there? Okay, here's the deal. Over 100 years ago, Bayer started putting cotton in the aspirin bottles because at the time they thought what it does is it keeps the, the aspirin from getting damaged, you know, from rattling around in that bottle. And so they put cotton in there to serve as like a buffer. Okay, 100 years later, here's what they discovered. It makes absolutely no difference. And so the president of Bayer said, you know what, we can save some money. By just simply taking the cotton out. So bear aspirin, the new bear aspirin, they no longer have cotton in their aspirin bottles. He said, What happened is he said, we just simply had a tradition, and he said the tradition didn't fulfill any purpose, so we just simply got rid of it. We got rid of it because it didn't make a difference. Okay, now let's go back to our text. The picture that Solomon painting in verse number four is that of a farmer. Okay, now. So then what's the purpose of a farmer? What is a farmer trying to do? I, I know many of you are farmers. Okay, so now what is, the, what is the idea of a farmer? What is his goal in life? Grow a crop. That's exactly right. To grow a crop and hopefully he's a good farmer to make bacon. Okay, so that is what a farmer is trying to do. Now, if a farmer is going to be successful in growing a crop, he has to have the right tools, Right? Now, in Israel, we have to remember that this is where this book was written. And so in Israel, if you're going to grow a crop, the, the right tool to grow a crop is you have to have oxen. And the reason why is Israel is tremendously rocky. I mean, it's not like you go out there and you just, you know, just start digging. I mean, you're going to hit huge rocks all the time. So you need an oxen to plow up the ground. If you don't have an oxen, guess what you're not going to have? You're not going to have a crop. So, so, oxen were necessary, but if you have oxen, there's a cost that comes with having those kind of animals, and the cost that comes with it is they're kind of large, they need a place to stay, they like to eat, you know, if you have work animals, you've got to feed them. I read this, it said oxen, on average, eat about 30 to 40 pounds of hay a day, okay, that means that's more work, okay, that's what I'm thinking, because I'm lazy, I'm thinking, man, that's awful. So i got to dish out 30 to 40 pounds of hay for just one animal. And if i got more, that's even more. Now, And here's the other thing. If they're eating 30 to 40 pounds of hay every day, you know what that's going to mean? It's going to mean other stuff. And it's going to mean that guess who gets to clean that up? And so that's just simply a whole lot of work. Now, as I'm reading that and I'm thinking, I'm out. I am not going to have any work animals. Now, that works out for me because I'm just a preacher. I don't need work. It makes sense for me not to have them. But if I'm a farmer and I'm trying to produce a crop, but I say, you know what, I'm not going to have any work animals, that's not going to work out very well for me. Why? Because the purpose of a farmer is to produce a crop. So what does all this have to do with anything? Well, he's speaking to the church as well. See, the same idea is true with the church. We have to remember, what is our purpose as a church? Now, Jesus gives us that answer. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. He said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you to the end of the age. Okay, so what's our purpose? Our purpose is to make disciples. Our purpose is is to make followers of Jesus. Now, if we do that, that means we are called to reach out to people. Now, that doesn't sound like that big of a deal until you begin to work with people. And I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about all those other people, right? Now, now what happens when you work with people? You discover people are messy. Have y'all figured that out? people y'all, it's incredible it's incredible some of the problems that people in the first service have I mean it's unreal we are all just a bunch of messed up people and it would be easier just to say you know what I'm gonna do ministry but I'm not going to involve people but then I would be fulfilled we wouldn't be fulfilling our purpose here's what Jesus said Jesus said in Luke 5 30 through 32 he said the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining to Jesus's disciples and they said, "Why, Jesus, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Those are messy people. And Jesus replied, the healthy don't need a doctor. He said, but the sick do. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. What does that mean? It means the church is for people. And it's for messy people. It's for people who are broken. The church is a place where broken people can find healing because of who jesus is and if we're going to fulfill our purpose as a church then it means that we as a church have to be willing to reach out and serve people that's why we want village church to remain messy because people are messy but another reason we want village church to remain messy is this because we want to feed people we want to provide nourishment for people Verse 4, it says, where there are no oxen, it says, the feeding trough is empty, but an abundant harvest comes through the strength of an ox. Every year, our family goes to the beach with my wife's parents and her brothers, and the highlight of the trip when we go to the beach with Emily's family is leaving. No, I'm just kidding. The highlight of the, the, highlight of the trip, she, she went to first service, so I get to have fun today. Uh, the highlight of the trip, whenever we go to go with Emily's parents, is is eating, uh, and the reason why is Emily's mother is an unbelievable cook. She is a food editor for the paper in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So what does that mean? It means when she gets in the kitchen, man, she knows what she's doing. It's great, but she's feeding twenty people now. She will cook, but but after you eat, guess what that means? There are dirty dishes, and she doesn't do. She says, "I'm cooking," so guess what? You get to do. You get to clean up the dishes. Now, that is a part of the price for enjoying a great meal. It's what Solomon is reminding his son. Saying, son, you have oxen. They will produce for you, but, but here's the deal. Here's the price. You're feeding them, and when you feed them, they create a mess, and you've got to clean it up. Now, part of our goal at Village Church is to reach people, and if we're going to be successful at reaching people, then we have to give them something to eat. We have to give people nourishment. Now, now what are we supposed to feed people as a church? God's Word. Uh, Jesus indicated this in in, uh, Matthew 28, 20. He said, we're to teach them to observe all that He has commanded us. Now, why is it so important for us to feed people what God's Word says? Because God's Word leads to life. It leads to relationship with who God is. It teaches us how to live. Listen to what Paul wrote in Romans 10. He said, how can they call, how can we call on Jesus whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? If they're going to hear about him, we've got to tell them what the Bible says. And how can they hear without a preacher or without teachers? How can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. Simply put, the Bible is food that we are to give to people because when we give people what Scripture says, it points people to Jesus and reminds them and shows them that it is Jesus who gives life, that it is Jesus who heals and transcends all of the junk of this life. Okay, but here's what I'm discovering. When we don't feed people what God's Word says, people don't know what God's Word says. When people don't know what God's Word says, we, we live in ignorance concerning how God wants us to live. I think that's why we're seeing so much of the junk that goes on in our world today. Because we don't know what God says. You know what it's like living in a world where people are not being nourished by God's, by God's Word? It doesn't take long, long to figure it out. I can give you a couple of examples right off the top of my head. You want to see what it's like to live in a world where people are ignorant of God's Word, you go down to Charleston at a church and you see what a young man did when he walked in there and killed people. That's what happens whenever we don't know about God's Word. You know, what, you know what's like, life, like living a life without God's Word? You, you turn on the news and you see Planned Parenthood selling body parts of babies. Guys, let me tell you something. That is what life is like when people don't know or defy what God's Word Has to say. That's why we want to be messy. We want to feed people God's word so people will know that God loves life. And that God loves your life and that God has a bigger life that He wants you to have. So why do we want to be messy? People are messy. We want to feed people. We want to feed them God's word. But another reason we want to be messy is because because we want to harvest. And you know, a harvest, if we're going to have a harvest, it it takes work. Uh, Verse number four is the last thing I'll read. It says, where where there are no oxen, the feeding trough is empty, but an abundant harvest comes to the strength of an ox. You say, why in the world would you want to put up with all the mess? Well, if you remember what your purpose is, your farm, your purpose is to produce a crop. So you're going to put up with the mess so that you'll be able to have a crop. Now, I'm with you. An empty barn, an empty barn is a whole lot easier to take care of than one that's full, right? But if you have an empty barn, you don't have anything. You know, a a dead person is much easier to take care of than a living person. Would you agree? Now, I don't know about y'all, but if it's me... Hey, I'm gonna, I'd rather put up with the trouble of living than, than being the dead guy. Okay, so there's, there's a lot of things. There's some trade-offs here. Hey, I can be, we can have a clean barn, but we're absolutely not going to achieve anything. Or we can have a barn that gets messy and that has some problems, but we are ministering and seeing lives changed. Now, my heart is for this church to make a difference. My heart is for our church to grow and to impact lives, because that's why we've been put here. That, that is the purpose of our church, to reach and to see life change occur in people's lives. And there's something exciting about that. You know, for, for those of you who are parents, remember whenever you had your kids, and it seems like every time you looked at them, like week after week, they changed so much, right? And they just looked different. I mean, you look at I look at my kids, and one day I have a, a son that's, you know, like this big, and I remember holding him, and it's like the next day he's got a beard. And I'm like, what happened? You know, and it just goes by so fast. But then after, after you know, you, you progress, uh, you don't always continue to grow. There comes a time whenever, you know, in the natural life process, you begin to decline. Now, we want to stave that off. So what's the best way to stave that off? It is to be active. You know that's why people. That's why people exercise. That's why people. You know they they get out there and they 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 put their body through stresses because they want their bodies to be productive for as long as possible. Village Church, we want to do the same thing. You know it's not like we just said, hey, we've arrived, we're done now. But let's begin to decline. We want to be healthy. We want to exercise more. Now, a few weeks ago, our our uh, West Campus went into Willow Lake neighborhood. Some of y'all went over there and they went in there and they did this block party. I mean, hundreds of people, it was cool. People started showing up and they were serving food and they were giving out cotton candy, playing Christian music, and, and have, they had a prayer table. that had all these different things. Now, why were they doing that? They were doing that because they wanted to show the community, we are here for you and we are here in order to serve you. Now, that's why in this past year, we began a new campus over at Westwood High School. Now, why is it? Because we said, we want to reach more people. We want to go into to new neighborhoods so that lives can be transformed and changed by the power of, of Jesus. That's why next door, our student center, through your sacrificial giving, we've we've gone over there so that we can update the the facilities and and provide the opportunity for more and more students to gather there. Why? So that we can make a difference in the lives of more and more students. But here's the deal. The deal, the size of the harvest will be dependent upon the amount of effort you put into the planting. Uh, there's an old story about uh, some Chinese farmers, and they, a lot of their diet was subsisted of uh, potatoes. And so they would have a crop of potatoes, and what they started doing is they started eating the biggest potatoes, and they would plant the smaller ones. They said, we want to have the best. Now the problem with that is, as you plant smaller potatoes, guess what happens to the potatoes? They get smaller and smaller. They got to a place where the potatoes were the size of marbles. They had to change their whole strategy. So you know if, if we want to have if we want to have something better, then we better start planting things that are better. If we want to have a good product, if we want to have a good crop, then we better make sure that the seed that we are planting is the best. Village church, if we want to see a crop of people being raised for Jesus Christ, you better start planting your own life and making that happen i 'd better start making making sure that I'm planting my own life if I want to see that happen. It, y'all, I can talk a good game. This is what we need to do, and I'm just going to drive on home and sit down and turn on Netflix and let somebody else do it. I'm not going to see much of a harvest. If I'm going to see a harvest, I have to plant my own life. I have to plant my life into the lives of other people, and it is then that we begin to see life change. Jesus said, That he changes people. That he transforms lives. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. Little church, I believe it's time for us to plant. But we need to be involved in doing it, not just talking about it. We are told this by Jesus in Luke ten two. He said, "The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest." You know who the workers are? It's you and it's me. It's us. And you know what? If we do that, it is messy. It can be a pain in the tail. But there is nothing greater than when you see a young man or a young woman whose life has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. It is miraculous. And we live in a world and in a time where we need to see people changed by Jesus. And y'all, I can sit there and I can watch Fox News and MSNBC and I yell at the best of y'all, at the screen. Chris Matthews comes on, I start griping, Sean Hannity, I'm like, oh my gosh, could you quit screaming? I watch all these guys, I can gripe with the best of them. If I'm going to see change, it ain't going to happen because I'm screaming at the TV, it's going to happen because I'm going to get down and dirty and serve and love and pray for people. And I need you to do the same thing so that we can make a difference in a world that is dying but it can happen. Village Church, God has called us to be messy. Let's get messy.